Hello there, Vlad here. Welcome to Cat Pick Fridays, episode 63. And this is obviously the show that brings you latest and the greatest in guitar and music industry news, reactions, commentary, analysis, reviews. Maybe, maybe not. Not 100% sure. Once again, I'm joined by my, my co-host. And the guy who's really, really preparing for the NAM trip, Rich. Are you 100% packed and ready to go already? <laughs> Unlikely. <laughs> Firstly, because it's two weeks till I leave. But secondly, because I am way behind on everything I need to prepare. So that's how it's looking at the moment. But it's always the same. And it would all work out. Good. Trust me. So you're checking in a bag, unlike I was during my trips. Yeah, of course I am. Although... <laughs> You know, I actually found out from some of my blue guitar colleagues that maybe I take too much luggage. They were laughing at me when mm. I said I needed the whole 20 kilograms of check-in allowance. I told them I need to change my clothes every day. I wear fresh underwear every day. You know, I might wear a new t-shirt every day. I want to take at least two pairs of shoes, maybe three. And they're laughing at me. You know, I take a bag of bathroom yeah. stuff so I can clean myself before the show. Seems like not everyone That's wants to do the same thing. That's not part of the NAM experience. <laughs> Thinking about it as well, I mean, if, if you're going to NAM without check-in, you can't even take hygienic products unless you're taking tiny bottles that you can take on the plane. I yeah, guess, you know, I the music, music industry, rock and roll, it's a dirty business, isn't it? But still. I mean, at least when I, I've gone there, they've been fairly, you know okay with me just putting everything into plastic bags and then uh, they allowed me to go in. So I don't know how that rule actually works. It's weird. Oh, yeah. And well, obviously, like, I'm, I'm every taking time you've everything. Gone, you've, yeah, you've stayed there for longer than I've been. I've been there for four or five nights, so just carry that on. That is a good point, yeah. Like I'll be there for over two weeks not. again, so... Yeah, it's a huge I need difference, stuff. obviously. Yeah, and it's also like, if you're there for two weeks... The situation for me then becomes critical. And I, yeah, apologies to everyone listening or watching. I'm sure this is hugely exciting for you, especially as a way of beginning the podcast. But for me, once I get to two weeks, I have to start thinking about, well, do I try and take fresh items of clothing for every day, which is a lot of stuff, or do I have to consider the fact that I need to find a laundrette somewhere and clean the clothes that I brought with me so I can take half the clothes, but I have to wash them somewhere? It's... Questions mm. like this that define my sad existence. If you have answers, please comment down below how I could improve my life. Yes, and wrong answers only, please. We're going to react yes. to those next week. I look forward to that. Yes, exactly. Uh, something I want to show, I guess. I'm going to show it. going to make some space here at the table as well and try not to... Knock down my mug with water. Oh, How are you going to show on. it? You got to get a different yeah. camera. How's that going to work? Uh, I got all them tools here. Let's see. No, not that's what I'm going to actually going to solo myself out here because oh, I have a huge me. ego. Yep. Thanks. I was just clicking the wrong button. The Harley Benton DIY kit. Oh. It has been finished. I don't know how to Assembled. show this to you while also be able to speak to them. <laughs> of all the ways, <laughs> that was probably the way you shouldn't have picked. But yeah, yes. that looks uh, amazing. 
for anybody who's just listening to this, um, if you're in the car or whatever, or jogging or doing your weekly shop and listening to the podcast, go onto Vlad's channel and have a look at this Harley Benton kit that he's built because it looks brilliant. There you go. Uh, and look at that down. camera angle. Yes. I think that this might be the first time I'm rocking double camera setup for Capic Friday. So well done me. Yeah. More detail on how this project um, concluded will, well, all of that will be featured on the show that is, or the final build video. It will air, let's say, most likely tomorrow or Sunday latest. I have six hours of footage to edit. But overall, like now this guitar is playable. It's well set up. I worked on the frets. Uh, by the way, the fingerboard was incredibly dry. I have this. This is, well, I guess this is slightly sponsored by Hosotech, but they sent me a care package way back when. And this is called like fretboard conditioner. Applied this on the fretboard. Oh, yeah. It changed color quite drastically, became way darker. Feels great now. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it's about to crack or anything. It's clean. And the fingerboard what's became the, way darker. What's the fingerboard wood? Because right now, it's, looking at it, I mean, part of the guitar's body is black. The, the pickups themselves are black. The guitar's fretboard looks to be really, really dark. It looks like ebony from here. But it's obviously not yeah, ebony, is it? What, what is the listed wood? It's the it's amaranth. Amaranth, okay. That's purple heart, right? I guess so. I, is there another I word for that? Amaranth. But yeah, yeah I mean, it looks fantastic from here. One other thing that I'm sort of kind of taken aback by in a way is the fact that looking at it from this angle, the pickups look so close together. I guess that's because it's a 24 fret guitar, but it's really interesting. I don't own any 24 fret guitars, so I've never, you know, had a guitar like that close up in that way. But yeah, look at the gap between no, that, them. It's that, tiny. Is that normal? Yeah, that's actually true. Like if you get a PRS, that's the same with those as well they really? are exactly the same huh? okay yeah this is very prsh design at least uh, yeah a lot of mistakes were made while building this thing and you can watch all of that once the video airs i haven't put the back plate on just yet in case i need to adjust it uh the springs just a bit uh i decided not to paint anything on the back just to save time and get this ready by the deadline, uh, this is all sanded with a very fine sandpaper and feels super, super nice. And I, because I made a lot of mistakes painting the front of the guitar, I don't mind the back of the guitar getting all the scratches and stuff like that. I think that's in the spirit of Eddie as well. So, Yeah. And when that guitar relics up a bit, it's going to look amazing. I, I'm yeah, the super impressed with what you've done, genuinely. Yeah, yeah the lacquer layers are fairly thin. There's a little bit of cracks here and there that's on the finish as well because mm, the lacquer layers went even i had to spray paint this outside so it wasn't ideal and that resulted in some cracks here and there there's a tiny bit of paint that just came off for some reason but this will age so well it's going to look so cool when it starts getting like the, that natural wear some ding dings here and there and i like the logo here as well and yeah, it looks super cool. The headstock is a nice shape and stuff. And I, I do think that um, with a bit more TLC at some points, maybe with, I don't, I mean, yeah. it sounds good enough so far, but maybe at some point you'll want to put some 
boutique pickups in there or whatever, upgrade some of the other parts, electronics or the switch there, for example, maybe the bridge, whatever. I'd put a hardtail bridge on it, of course, if it was me, but after that, it's going to be an awesome guitar. Yeah, there's, by the way, a hardtail version of this guitar available if someone wants to get that, so... Yeah, and what's the DIY kit? If you're watching this, uh, let's say uh, May for 14th, 16th, 17th onwards, 2022, the build vlog is most likely out, and you can see the rest of the process and what I did to this guitar. So yeah, let that be a teaser, more info, and a produced track version, or like you can hear this guitar in a produced track in the video that will be out soon. I'm gonna put this away. But yeah, I'm really looking forward stuff. to it. But also, have you noticed yes. that you're wearing a shirt with the same color scheme as the guitar yes, right now? I did. And that was. Oh, it was a conscious decision. Yeah. Snappy. Yes. I like it. But yeah, worked on that thing for many hours yesterday. And as I mentioned, I got about six hours of footage to edit, but that should be a lot of fun. It'll I can't be believe I made it. It's a lot of work. It was so much work. I can't believe I made it by the deadline. When yeah. is the How deadline? Uh, this Sunday. <laughs> oh, okay. And when will they be um, judging the competition and how do they judge it? I'm not sure. I think for... So there's two stages. First of all, there's the kind of wave of uh, content creators doing the DIY Kit Challenge thing. You've seen probably a few. I, th- I think Andy was doing one. Uh, Perfecto de Castro yep. was doing... One Colin was doing yeah. one. Did Colin I'm Scott sure do one? Yeah, I mean, I think I did. I mention Colin. Colin Scott, yeah, he's doing one as well. Yeah, maybe so, you did. Yeah, then I, I've linked a couple of weird guitars. I, I saw someone doing like a weird spaghetti guitar or like a <laughs> oh, yeah. guitar. And there's a, was, a sticker, a sticker guitar or a sticker bass. There's, there's I've seen a couple those. of basses. Yeah. 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 I want to say that's the easy road to go if you go with stickers. So yeah. Do you any finishes outside when it's plus four degrees? <laughs> Even I could put a sticker on a guitar. Actually, you know what? I'd probably end up sticking it onto my own face by mistake or something. But there we go. We're all different. <laughs> yes, exactly. But yeah, from this to... Oh, by the way, you had... Um, what was the pedal called? Oh, yeah, yeah, flammer pedals. You, you've you dived into the flammer pedal world as well. I've seen a lot of people demoing those, and now you're one of them, I guess. I did. I, I joined the crew. Here it is. It's the, the smallest mini pedal that I've ever actually seen. I must have another mini pedal close by. Yeah, I do, actually. The Ibanez Tube Screamer Mini. It's even smaller. So it's the miniest. <gasps> Whoa, it's, it's the miniest. The miniest. <laughs> it's the miniest mini pedal I've ever seen. I'm not the world's biggest expert super- on Tube Screamers. I tend to go for more transparent overdrive pedals, as you guys may know. But yeah, this is really cool. It's super cheap, has two different modes. It's a tube screamer. Please watch my video because it's not doing very well. Yep. So far, yeah, seen the it, it's a slow burner. A bunch of channels and some background info. They once contacted me as well about their pedals and I said no. Do I regret it? I'm not sure. Not necessarily. <laughs> I think it was just busy yeah, like time. A few months later, they were like, okay, we've run out of good YouTube channels. Ah, oh, how about this Rich Words music guy? So it's like they're going oh, down I see, yeah. How the about scale. this lad guy? 
<laughs> but she yeah, anyway, I mean, yeah, I was happy to do it. But um, yeah, they also sent me the distortion pedal, so I'm looking forward to seeing what that is. Interesting. In terms of what it's influenced by. Yep, indeed. But should we dive into the section of latest and greatest in some? We something? most definitely should. Things that have taken place in the not too distant past is the catchy title yes. I would give it. Yeah, kind of cool. I think that's the new official title of the segment. Mm -hmm. But honestly, it's also known as Recent Happenings. And yeah, one of the recent things, besides me starting to upgrade the studio, by the way, I forgot to mention about that as well. But maybe more on that once it's actually ready. So let's talk about the news. Shake the ending Johnston unveil Atomic finished Diamond Series T-Type signature model. And yeah, basically this is the continuation to his, I want to say, very successful signature strat type guitar so cool looks really nice yeah yeah i mean when did the strat types come out there must be two maybe even three years or something that the or maybe even longer that the first ones came out but um i think yeah, the, the strat type versions was, have done really well i think when we were at first GitCon in 2017, wasn't that the hot new thing at that point? The I think that's one. exactly what it would be. And was that the one that Nick Johnston was at with the guitar? Or was I that the year after? Because so. he was at one of them. Uh, honestly, I don't quite remember... He might have been there for a day or two, or he was yeah. at the GitCon too, where I wasn't. Okay, he was definitely at one anymore, of them. So. so, okay, so, oh, wow. I mean, if you think about it, the first GitCon in about six months' time, that's going to be five years ago. Wow. So how time flies. But yeah, so, okay, that guitar is a little bit older than we thought. And they mm. started with a, a master-built one for around 3,000 euros or dollars or two and a half. And then came the more affordable sub a thousand dollar version, which yeah. apparently has done very, very well. I've tried both of the guitars. I think they're both fantastic. I would definitely have one of the S type more affordable ones in a heartbeat because it's kind of up a point of the budget that I would pay for something, but used prices are pretty good. There's great color schemes, great specs, and they sound and play great. And this T style is a continuation of that. So about mm. a year or so ago, he teased the exclusive boutique $3,000 version, the master-built one. I believe they're Japanese-built, are they? The the more expensive mm. ones. And now yeah. we have the Diamond Series T-Type, which is more affordable, around $899. And again, yeah. specifications look fantastic. It's basically a, a Telecaster-type guitar with a humbucker in the neck and a single coil in the bridge but if we go through the the finer specs and details it looks very cool yeah uh 22 jumbo frets graphic excel black desk knot as well as checked as brass circle inlays uh that's flame or roasted maple neck isn't it i think i skipped that yeah. somewhere it's yeah, uh, yeah it says uh, 
roasted, hard roasted maple neck. Sorry, nice. roasted hard rock maple neck with an ebony fretboard. <laughs> did the, did the S types have ebony neck. boards? I thought they were just all roasted maple, but I could be wrong. He might have both, actually. Not yeah, maybe you're right. It. Maybe both, but again, great choices, both. That. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, these are great specs for the money. Uh, the 14-inch fingerboard radius might be a slightly more quiet taste, but it's somewhere, I guess, between fairly modern and vintage, so that could be great. 25.5 Yeah, I mean, 14-inch, pretty flat, decent for shredding, but yep. good for everything. I think players these days want flatter boards. It's got the jumbo frets as well, so it's, I mean, it's obviously suited for people who like to play music in the style of Nick Johnston as well. I don't really think that people who are after a classic Telecaster-type guitar will go for this, but you never know. I mean, yeah. it has all the all the specs that you would want in that regard as well, in my opinion. And it comes yeah, with Schecter's own pickups, doesn't it? Mm. And yeah, that's one of the bigger differences between the more expensive and this more affordable guitar. You get more boutique pickups in the, in the more expensive ones, but the Schecter own brand pickups that I've tried in the... The S-type Nick Johnston guitar sound lovely. I really, really enjoy them. Mm. You know so what? I would have high hopes for this one. Yeah, this is really looks great. Uh, Nine hundred dollars. That's Decent. very reasonable. I actually, actually like the color scheme as well. So this, yeah, white, again, white. What, what? Yeah. Oh, sorry, Atomic Frost. Yes, no. Atomic, Frost, Atomic Frost, Seafoam Green, Black, and is that a Sonic Blue? Oh, the yes, colorways are literally written on the screen. <laughs> Atomic yes, Frost, <laughs> Atomic Ink, Atomic Green, and Atomic Snow. So they're all atomic, whatever that means. Hopefully they're not radioactive or anything like that. I, I sure hope but yeah, so. It's kind of a, a more modern color scheme that we've seen other brands like Harley Benton do recently. You know, you're getting these kind of almost sort of warmer pastel shades definitely or even PRS in comparison with the, to older sunburst and stuff like that yeah and even PRS with the John Mayer SE models same they have yeah. the, that berry color and this greenish as well and that's kind of cool by the way the PRS SEs are now available at a local store here the John Mayer ones I need to well first of all I need to get rid of the flu and then go and try them out yes I want to try them out list. Yes, Hello. you need to, and then report back. Yes. Exactly. It's interesting because I think these will be a very, very decent competitor for the newest Fender Player Plus Telecasters. That is very true. They're similar I'm in price. I think these might even be a tad cheaper than the uh, Player Plus Teles. Could be. Of course, you can get the Fender Player Telecasters, which are cheaper, but... These sit bang in the middle of that range. And if you're yeah. someone who was looking for a, a Fender telly before but wanted to go into the more kind of Nick Johnston direction, then you've got an option here. Yeah. I'd be actually interested in the Schecter ones a bit more because I think one of the differences is that the Schecter one comes with a jumbo frets. And yes. I'm just a fan of jumbo frets. I've... I've just gotten used to them somehow. It they just suit my hands better. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, Fender has changed point to their me. frets as well. I mean, 
their more mm. recent guitars have the narrow tall frets, but if you want jumbo frets, you get it on this guitar. Yeah. Is yep. the humbucker coil splittable? Can you take that down mm. to single coil mode? I am not sure, and I'm quickly trying yes. to see... Yep. It is. Just in that paragraph at the bottom nice. there, despite the changes, it's got an equally versatile control layout comprising a three-way selector switch, as you would expect on a teletype guitar, a master volume knob, and a push-pull tone control that accesses neck single-coil sounds. So, Excellent. Neck humbucker and almost a neck single-coil as well. So, yeah, very cool. That's, um, you know, my number one guitar is my Fender Tele that I put a neck humbucker with split coil capabilities in and it's it's mm. not too dissimilar from this guitar so you can see why I'm attracted to this yes my number one guitar is also Jelly though it doesn't have a neck humbucker but you can see why we're getting along fairly well most of the time at least yeah absolutely it's that Spider-Man cool. meme like, you like Tellys you like Tellys and we're just pointing at each other oh yeah it's like that's how we met <laughs> everyone likes Tellys don't they don't they? Not all people. I, no, they don't. I know some. Pe- I've run into some people over the years who absolutely despise Tillys. <laughs> Not with your the car. For I that, hope. besides uh, that, they thought the guitars were ugly. But I used to. Yeah. I don't know. It might have to also change because I think in some of the metal, like metal community, that was a more of a thing. Tillys were kind of anti-metal. In a way, but I think that might have might have changed as well over the years. So, yeah, uh, I think speaking you might of right. in metal, seamless transition. That was absolutely seamless. perfect. I didn't see. I didn't plan this, but Solar unleashes thirteen metal-friendly access in Mammoth Spring twenty twenty-two drop. Now, we are not sure about this release in the sense that I don't think there's anything on Solar Guitars website about this. Guitar World or has on an their YouTube for channel. Sorry? There's nothing on their YouTube channel either, as as of filming. We're filming this yes, on which is Friday, Friday the 13th, 13th, the most metal of all days. <laughs> yes, indeed. What about so we, we think this is a true guitars. story, but it's just, um, sure. obviously, Vlad and I, we research what we're going to talk about on the show, at least to some mm. extent. There is some planning that goes into this, mostly from Vlad's side, I have to admit. And the only website that has this press release about the new solo guitars is Guitar World. So well done to Mike and his team at Guitar World for getting the scoop on this, if it's brand new, as we think it is. But just in case it's not, just in case this is something older or we've got something wrong, we do apologize. But we should talk about these guitars because solo is doing big things and now it has released a mammoth for spring 2022. Indeed. And right away, with catchy names. I want to toot, um, toot my own horn, so to speak. Last week, and we finally remembered to check what we predicted last week, because at the end of our show, we do a prediction of what will be released by the time we shoot the next video. And I said, somebody's going to release a single cut seven string guitar. And lo and behold, the Solar. first guitar Give pictured on this page. Taketh your money away, something like that. <laughs> yep. That that was a pretty there good go. guess. I I take my hat off to you, but I do have to also say that my prediction last week was what was it? That an American company 
would release a decent electric guitar or something. It was a rubbish prediction. And the first guitar that we <laughs> featured this week was the Schecter Nick Johnston PT, T-Type. Schecter is an American yes. company, so I'll take that too. We've both done yeah, well this yeah, week, yeah. although you win with this. Yes, we're the Nost- Nostradamuses of the music industry news. Indeed we are. <laughs> yeah. I mean... This looks It's like we, we make a hundred guesses, four come true, and we become <laughs> saints. Yeah, that's how it goes nowadays. I mean, this thing looks very, very, very metal, but hey, it's a single cut shape, and it has seven strings. I mean, I've played a few solo guitars at NAMM, actually, and they're good. All I can say that those are good guitars, and... I can see yeah. why people want to get them. Olo is also just Absolutely. a very relatable guy that I think helps with his marketing. Can you please and, pronounce the names of some of these new models for me? Uh, yes, absolutely. Are you not familiar with T1.6AFBRB and also the Supercatcher T1.6H3TS? They sound like COVID variants, <laughs> which is also true. kind of metal. If I, I buy this one, sounds like Wi-Fi passwords. These are the COVID variants. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sure they they all mean something, just like the Ibanez ones. AB1 would be the model, six or seven for the... Uh, yes. The numbers of strings, FR, the finish. And then, I don't know, body woods, pickups, different bridge types. I don't know, but yeah. As you scroll down yeah. the page, what I'm seeing is guitars that look more and more metal with every every sweep of the mouse. Yes. I actually really enjoyed the exp- take on the Explorer. That that thing looks very metal. It's very ESP-like, and it's nice. Yeah. It's really nice. It is. And so that's, I like that's definitely one he- of the less original designs. Yeah, I like the heavy use of uh, Evertune bridges as well because I think for metal especially that's that's kind of the thing. So nice. And yeah, Solo yeah. is doing great stuff. They are, I don't know, the the way they're working is a very kind of innovative twenty first century style way of doing things. You know, selling direct, being online only, pretty much. They're doing incredibly well. Yep. And yeah, I can't imagine how much work it, like he had to put into me to basically have his own guitar company. But now that it's running, it's like they did well. So yeah, I mean, nice. of course, the fact that Ola is Ola, you know, one of the biggest channels out there. Yeah, that helped. But you can't create a company this successful in a kind of declining industry like the electric guitar industry. And is it declining though? Do it without a lot of work. I don't know. I guess it would be controversial to say it's a declining industry, but if you look at kind of the the decline of the guitar in the overall kind of world of popular music, at least as a lead instrument, you have to say that the industry is declining, don't you? Maybe, though. Weirdly enough, going off the rails a little bit, but uh, me and my wife like to watch the Eurovision because it just. It's kind of silly, very entertaining in that sense. And I actually noticed this year, like every second artist forms, there's a guitar. Either the singer itself is playing the art, the guitar 
or there's a band and you can see the guitar. It's weird. I don't remember seeing this much guitar on Eurovision as of late. I feel it's becoming cool again to play guitar. Like visually, you, like it's... Yeah, I think you may kind of have a point there and I hope you do. I hope you're right because there are other artists out there at the moment like Machine Gun Kelly who are really sort of repopulizer... Re, that's easy to say. Repopularizing <laughs> the guitar at least in a certain way. I mean, Machine Gun yes. Kelly is not, he's not like a guitar virtuoso or anything and would never claim to be, but he's doing sort of <laughs> pop punky stuff at the moment. And he has that kind of bright pink signature guitar that Hunter did a great video on. A Schecter, indeed. And yeah, he's bringing it back in a way. And it's opening up the guitar world to a generation of kids who would never have heard it. So yeah, okay. I, I retract my statement about the guitar industry being in decline. It's on the up, ladies yes. and gentlemen. Yes, you have been forgiven. But yeah, solo guitars, looking great. Yep. And Good drop. what also, I guess, looks great, I guess, is the <laughs> Dave Mustaine signature acoustic guitar by Gibson. And personally, yeah. this raises all kinds of questions. But first of all, I'm going to ask, what do you think of this guitar? When you think about Dave Mustaine, does acoustic guitar come to your mind at any point if you do a list of like Dave Mustaine things where does the acoustic guitar rank in that list <laughs> well I mean obviously Megadeth well, are renowned for their MTV unplugged performance where he played a uh, a hummingbird yes that's uh, not true I is it I don't I, no. I, I do sure. not associate <laughs> Dave Mustaine with acoustic guitar in any way shape or form so, yeah. yeah, for me, this was a, a surprise. Kind of not a surprise Indeed. in a way because he's just released a bunch of signature electrics. We've had the Vs and so on. But, yeah, I don't associate Dave Mustaine with acoustic guitars. Maybe he writes with them or something. I'm not sure. But Could we? I mean, why not? This is another case of... It's a perfect juxtaposition with the solar story you know you see what solar are doing mm. working with new and upcoming artists in a way they're doing a lot of stuff online and then you see a company like gibson who is working with these older established some might just say old rock stars you know <laughs> releasing some might i mean i don't know how old dave mustaine yeah. is but he's got to be 50 something i'm going to search right dave? now how old do you think he is i'm going to say he's 55 uh mustaine yeah. He's in his 60s. No way. 61, 60, 62. I mean, he's the same, same, roughly the same age as the Metallica guys, and they are in the 60s now. Yeah, he's 60. Blimey. I, uh, yeah, I had no idea. So there you go. It's, um, yeah, older or old rock stars. And obviously, Megadeth is a huge deal. So is Dave Mustaine. But it's like... Yeah, and they're st yeah. still touring, still, still releasing albums still relevant uh, in that context yeah some, some might say they're still way uh, way more up to speed or like still doing really well live show and album wise compared to Metallica for example <laughs> yeah the, so, the one re really interesting thing about this guitar from purely a guitar perspective is that this is the first ever 24 fret acoustic guitar that Gibson have made Oh, that is very interesting. I don't know where you need the 24 frets, but 
Sure. Why not? Kind of. Yeah. I, I guess my question would be why? But then again, <laughs> the question could also be why not? So, checking the Sweetwater side, there's nice skulls on it as well. Has this... How would you describe this fret mark as they, they, he had these on his Dean guitars as well? Yeah, there, there is an official name for them, which I forgot. I mean, I think they actually look kind of cool. Kind of cool? Kind of cool. I think it's something that if you're a Dave Mustaine fan, you obviously have kind of that visual sort of aspect that tells you that it's a Dave Mustaine guitar. For anybody else, mm. you might not know and yet it's just something that looks a little bit different. It looks a little bit kind of cool. I like them. What about you, Vlad? I think they're cool. They actually suit an acoustic guitar better than I thought. Oh, they're called Mother, Mother in Pearl Teeth Inlays. Teeth. Never thought of yeah, those as it. teeth. No, me neither, but there we go. They had to call <laughs> them something. <laughs> they did. <And> so, <laughs> I guess the question is, who is this guitar going to be for? I mean, obviously it's aimed at big fans of Dave Mustaine and also fans of Dave Mustaine who have big wallets because the price tag is mm. suitably Gibson. It's available for $4,499. So well, it's not cheap. No, but if you think of this, this release in a way where there's some fans that kind of grew up with Dave Mustaine over the years, they're in their 50s, maybe early 60s. They're well established in their jobs. The kids might have moved out of the house already. They can afford nice things. I could see. And this is a nice thing. This That's for sure. Yes, this is a nice thing. And for 50 high, for 55, no, 45. <laughs> How do numbers work? <laughs> $4,500 uh, for a Dave Mustaine Gibson acoustic guitar. That's kind of cool. And since your kids moved out already, you have the means for that. Why not? Yeah. And you can spend all your time <laughs> soloing up at that 24th fret. Yes. Exactly. I would love to try this out. Just like... Me too. Feel how a guitar like this... Like, like, try how this type of guitar feels. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're joking about it slightly, but I have a, you know, a big amount of respect for it and would be really interested to, to check it out. I mean, for me, the 24th fret is not necessary in any way. I don't go yeah. up that high. That's all there is to it. And especially on an acoustic, I think once you go up that high and you're soloing, you want to do bends and widdly stuff. And for me, it just, mm. it wouldn't work. I can't do it, yeah. but um, for those who wish to, can you think, Vlad, of many acoustic sort of rocky tracks that have solos on acoustic guitars? The only acoustic solo in that regard that comes to mind for me is on Tribute by Tenacious D. But I'm pretty sure mm. that there's no 24th fret involved in that. Yeah, well, now that I think of it, uh, there is some acoustic guitar stuff on Megadeth's album. I think... Um, what is the opening track to the more not peace sales who's buying one? Oh come on. I I I this bothers me too much. I'll need to find out 
what's the name of the song, but it's literally in the it's the intro song of the album. And okay. Well, there, there well, is that, actually that one. Carry on. Yeah, that that track is actually from an island string, but still. Okay. Uh, there, oh, I've yeah. been looking Cold at Wars. another article there's, there's, about this guitar on Music Radar, and they do mention hmm. that um, there is acoustic guitar on the new Megadeth album, which hasn't been released yet at time of Ooh. filming. And they mentioned that they'd made a prototype for him for this guitar, which had a smaller body and a sharper cutaway. And he actually used that guitar for the recording of the, the new Megadeth album, which we haven't heard yet. But um, Ooh, nice. they changed the whole design to be a bigger body in the style of the Gibson songwriter. And mm. this is the guitar that we get to buy now, but that's not actually the guitar that features on the record. So, yeah, Megadeth is one band who uses acoustic guitar for this kind of music. Yeah. I mean, yeah, as I mentioned, there's uh, acoustic guitar on Holy Wars, for example, from one of the, uh, well, from Rust in Peace, for example. Then the Euthanasia, which... That or Rust in Peace or Countdown to Extinction, one of those three might be my favorite Megadeth albums. There's actually quite a lot of acoustic guitars, like a lot of acoustic guitar intros and interludes and things like that. So, yeah, actually, yeah, that kind of makes Metallica. a lot of sense. Yeah, and, and bands like Metallica from the same genre, the the same kind of era as Megadeth, they they also have made mm. use of acoustic sounds, haven't they? Yeah. So long story short, Is we approve this release. Thumbs up from us. Yeah, it's like, for, for me, a cautious thumbs up, because like you said at the start, it does raise some questions, but overall, yeah, do something different. Yeah, and also what I wanted to mention earlier was that, actually, another thing of it, if I would get a premium acoustic guitar, so let's say four, four or $5,000 to spend... Uh, I think my two choices would be between a Taylor and a Gibson. Not not saying that I would probably end up with the Dave Mustaine Gibson at least, most likely, but a Gibson is a very solid choice for like a dream acoustic guitar. Would have to try a few out, but... Well, you know, some wise marketing head once said, only a Gibson is good enough. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So it must be true. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, but I, from, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, just to go back into the kind of what guitar would I buy debate if I had mm. 4,500 bucks. I'm not sure I consider this. I mean, I'd have to play one. And if you fall in love for that price, then you buy it. But for me, I would mm. feel like I'd want to be going to a guitar that had a wide range of vintage played in acoustic guitars. Hmm. And pick a guitar that's already kind of, you know, the wood is alive and it has songs in it already and stuff like that. That's what I would first be looking for. And if I was going for a brand new guitar, there's something about Taylors, you know, that for me, they're hmm. the acoustic PRS in a way because they're, they're perfectly done, you know. They might lack the character of some of the other brands, but they're, they're perfect. They're easy to play. They sound great. And Taylor is obviously really good when it comes to sustainability of woods and stuff like that. So I, I like hmm. that too. Yes. But yeah. Really interesting guitar. Let us know what you think. I'm sure people have opinions on this one, so let us know. And do something completely different. And this is very interesting. Chase Bliss is moving to direct-to-consumer 
business model to prevent raising its price, prices. And we quote the Guitar.com article, they say, our pedals are really expensive and I also don't want to compromise on the quality to save money. This is interesting. Basically what they're doing is, well, from now on you'll be able to, or at some point you will be able to buy Chase Bliss pedals only directly from them and they are also sending up uh, a... I don't know how to call it. They will basically be located in EU as well and that way they can provide customers with uh, EU free shipping on all orders, no customs or import fees and local repairs and services as well. Um, yeah, this is strange. But I guess I kind of get it, maybe. You might be more familiar with the retail side of things. For whatever reason, I assume you are. So what do you think? Yeah, this is news to me. Um, it's an interesting move. I mean, we, we do already see a lot of more boutique pedal companies selling direct. I mean, it makes sense in many ways because you obviously cut out the middleman of distribution and stuff like that. But what is not 100% certain from reading this press release is, are they going to pull out of most stores? Are they going to do something mm. similar to Behringer or TC Electronic and just have maybe one or two dealers per territory, like, you know, just Toman and Anderton's in the, the Europe area, for example? Uh, that's not clear from this release, but yeah, I, I understand companies doing it. It benefits them because they save money and make more money every time they make a sale. It can benefit customers in some ways, but if products like that are not in stores, customers don't have a chance to go and check them out first. And these are mm. expensive pedals. Obviously, Chase Bliss has a massive fan base of people who will always buy their new pedals. You know, they're, they're lucky in that regard. You know, they have a great reputation mm. among their own fans and you know, when it's a weird noise-making machine, it's going to be Chase Bliss. And as we saw with the, the most recent release of The Habit, a bunch of people went out and bought that straight away. And I think people would have put their money down for it without even knowing what it was going to be. You know, it was a new Chase Bliss pedal. Okay, I'm going to buy it. But for everybody else out there, it's kind of like, hmm, it makes it harder for them to check it out before they spend the money. And yeah, very true. Yeah, will they continue to offer or will they continue to have regional technicians who can look at pedals for people if you have problems? I suspect that Chase Bliss pedals don't have an awful lot of problems. And if they do, mm. they're basically unfixable for anybody apart from Chase Bliss themselves anyway because they're so complex. But um, yeah, that's something to think about as well. I think it's a two-sided sort of coin this kind of yeah. direct versus non-direct model. If they're purely going to be online only, I think that's a brave move. And it could work for them, of course. Mm. But it's like, meh. I'd be scared to do it. At the moment with my day job <laughs> with Blue Guitar, we have like we have direct sales in the European Union at this time. We're probably mm. possibly going to expand it at some point in the future. We don't know. But... It would be incredibly risky to pull out of established dealers and to, to work with people in different territories in the world who, who have that knowledge of their local dealer base, their local customer bases and stuff like that. Chase Bliss is obviously a very different company, but yeah, that's my initial thoughts on it. What I'm going to have to do mm. after the show is watch the video that is linked to in that article, which apparently is a more yeah. detailed 
explanation from Chase Bliss about what they're going to be doing, how they're changing their business model. Yeah. This is interesting. And, and what I'm also interested in is whether other companies will follow. If this goes well, could we see other companies do this as well? Because I feel with a lot of newer manufacturers, marketing is all done via YouTube and social media in general. And yeah. I feel Chase Bliss is actually a perfect example of that. And this is, I guess, a natural continuation of that. Because I also don't think, like, if you go to a store and you try out the Chesbus Habit, for example, is that a place where you would be incredibly convinced by all of the, like, can you really appreciate the pedal in that moment with everything it does? Or would you just go like, okay, this is a $400 pedal and it makes weird sounds, why would I buy it? Instead of going on YouTube seeing your favorite YouTuber really break down what you can do with that, give some examples of all the creative ways you can use the pedal, and then you would just order it from the Chase Bliss website. Could it, yeah. like, one of my theories is that this could be very closely, like, this change is very closely linked to the types of pedals they produce. If they would make, like, like, JHS wouldn't probably do this because their pedals are more simple, and I don't mean that in a bad way, in it just they're just more simple, easier to get a grasp on. Like it just it's just easy to understand what the pedal does when you get a JHS pedal. On average at least, it's way easier than anything Chase Bliss produces. So Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, the the one interesting thing that I'm just seeing at the top of the article there, Vlad, just underneath the headline is a quote mm -hmm. from the founder of Chase Bliss, the boss, Joel Court. Is it Court or is it Corte? I don't know, but we'll say Joel. He says, I yes. couldn't see any other way to go forward without raising our prices. And I think that is probably a key consideration here as well. Mm. You know, everything has got more expensive since COVID. We currently have a situation in Russia and Ukraine, which is causing issues with global supply chain demands as well and prices of things are going up and prices are only going to go up and what chase bliss might be doing here is saying okay we're only going to sell direct because like he says that's the only way to stop our prices going up significantly mm. and i think chase bliss pedals are already a significant investment for most guitar players were they to yeah. go up even more were they to go up 10 percent in price or something like that you're pricing out 99 percent of people Selling direct is a way to remove the cost of a distribution chain and keep those prices mm. down. I mean, the yeah. one interesting thing there is also the fact that they say they're going to move some staff to Amsterdam in the Netherlands mm. to look after European stuff. That's surely going to contribute significantly to extra costs. Whether or not they're going to open their own office and train people or relocate people, or whether they're actually working with an established partner in Amsterdam is not covered in this article again mm. i need to watch the video yeah they do say that they will be moving some of its staff to amsterdam netherlands so yeah i mean that surely that is a huge cost in itself maybe at first but maybe they've calculated in the savings they will get from selling direct and like maybe all matches yeah and they will have certainly had to had to do that they they yeah. won't have just done this kind of as a snap decision or anything like that but 
yeah, it's still a big thing. And again, it's like Chase Bliss are in the, you know, they're in North America. There are already mm. many established pedal distribution companies in Europe. And I know of at least one in the Netherlands that does a bunch of, you know, high quality boutique brand American pedals. And Chase Bliss would presumably have slotted into that range fairly well. So it's like, yep. this, this is a really interesting choice. So actually, mm. I, I guess I'm pre-teasing and changing the weekend watch that we're going to mention because I'm going to watch this video this weekend <laughs> yeah. and find out what's we, going on. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, I'll have to watch it as well. But I wonder if we're basically kind of the fun. Show. Mm, you Sorry, can, I'm just wondering out loud. Yeah, we're we'll, going to search that right we, now. We'll have, like, please leave some room for a microphone in your suitcase so you can do an interview with them and ask <laughs> what's going on. Yeah, hey, uh, Chase Bliss what, what, is not at the Nam show. Thing. <laughs> yeah, if I see if I see them, if I see the guys when I'm there, I will grab a short interview quote and just try and find out something if I can. Nice, sounds good. Sounds good. And yep. from something, well, I guess this is kind of serious. Something uh, I'm gonna say less serious. <laughs> John Mayer is <laughs> in the news once again because he signed. Fan, fans clone Sento pedal on stage and also marked uh, his settings on his <laughs> that he uses on his clone Sento. Now that is serious. <laughs> that is very serious. And there's a photo of the person who got his clone signed. And yeah, there's little markers where how like how John uses his clone Sento. <laughs> I, Imagine if I, he I kind of. Um, yeah. Imagine if he trolled the guy and just ru just put totally random, <laughs> stupid settings on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I use the output on zero all the time. It sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> the best so way that, that I'm quite surprised wrong, yeah. that his output is so low. It's like ten o'clock, less than halfway up. To me, that feels like it would actually make your sound quieter. I could be wrong. Yeah. Uh, I. I guess it also depends where the clone is in the signal chain. So hard to it tell. does. And I guess if you've I got it always on, then it, it doesn't make you quieter, does it? It's just yes. it's your bass tone. But yeah, yeah I, that, that fan yeah. in a few months' time will be on eBay or Reverb selling that oh, thing yes. at a premium. Oh yes, it possibly, possibly, most definitely will. Uh, and you can tell the guy or the person is very John, like is a fan of John May because. You can also see a pure silver sky in the photo this person has posted. Here's so, a quick quiz nice. for you, Vlad. Is that a silver sky American build or is that a silver sky SE? That and he's got a humbucker in the bridge, so it's not a real SE. That's an SE. But I'm pretty sure I see SE written here. I can't tell. There's an SE there. There you go then. Yeah. I'm going to give this post a like, by the way. Since I'm logged into Instagram on my browser for whatever reason. Yeah, let's give it a like. There you go. Well nice. done, Raul. I yeah. mean, that's a pretty know, cool thing, is, isn't it? This is, it's kind of cool, kind of silly. And I know John, like having listened to a bunch of his interviews, he seems to be a guy who's kind of into all of this gear thing, but also kind of approaches it slightly sarcastically. And I love that. That's probably how I would approach it as well. If I would be a I'm gonna have to watch this video as well. Yes. But indeed. yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Important news. 
moving on to the next oh, one, absolutely. which is oh, I, I I'm almost depressed to even say the title of this article. Qatar.com says this is Final Top cast and crew to reunite for a 2024 sequel, and all I can say is why, why? Yeah, please don't really? mess this one up, guys. Surely it's, they don't need the money. Yeah. The long they said that the long-awaited Spinal Tap 2 is slated to be for release. Was it long awaited? It will be four no. years since the original ad. I mean, like, maybe I, I, maybe after the yeah. first one came out, people said, Yeah, you should make another one. I mean, we're yeah. way too young to remember it when it came out, but I mean, I love that, very true. that movie. It's one of my absolute favorites. It's fun. But yeah, it's I, a lot of fun. For me, there never needed to be a sequel. No, no. Because it was perfect <laughs> I, as it was. I think and I watched the movie twice. If the twice, sequel's really I, bad, they could taint it. And I don't yeah. want that to happen. Yeah, I have very, very very low expectations for this one uh if you disagree let me know in the comments we can discuss that in the next Capic Friday's episode <laughs> do they mention no. what the uh what the cast plot of the sequel could be ah i was thinking of the cast is, is... Well, we we've, we've got all the main actors so that like really? the band is there yeah oh come on the plot so, for Spinal Tap 2 will reportedly revolve around the death of the fictional band's manager, Ian Faith, played by the late Tony Hendra and his surviving wife, who inherited a contract that said Spinal Tap owed them one more concert, so the boys ah, have no choice but to return for one last gig. 40 years <laughs> later or something, presumably. Very interesting. Uh, I think, like... This this might be one of those movies where you get a bunch of friends who have also watched Spinal Tap, who at least somewhat enjoyed it, and then all of you can just sit, have a few drinks, maybe order some pizza, and just you know have fun. I think this is one of those movies where you have very low expectations, and that could be the key to enjoy this movie. <laughs> That's my theory, at least. Yeah, I hope with all my being that it's that it's good mm. and that if they can't yeah. make it good, that they give up and say, no, you know, we can't do it justice and we, we can't do another. Mm -hmm. But there we go. I mean, I'm sure yeah. it'll do well at, at cinemas, but yeah, yeah. I'm uh, apprehensive about it. Want it to be good, <laughs> but want it to not destroy any legacies because, yeah, yes, Final Tap indeed. is legendary. Yeah, so. It will probably be a year or year and a half before we'll see any trailers or anything like that. So, yeah, yeah, we shall see. So, there you go. From this to some very, very unfortunate news Trevor Strand, founder and lead singer of Black Dahlia Murder, dies at 41 years old. And another tragic, sad death of a fantastic musician. Uh, I have to admit, I'm not super familiar with the band's music, but from what I understand, it's a fairly big band. And this probably might mark the end of the whole 
group. So that's yeah. also very, very sad. Yeah, it's terribly sad news. They were a huge band within their genre, um, very influential. And like you say, I, the band, I mean, it can't go on. It was, it was around him, the singer. I, I, I don't mm. know how to pronounce his surname, but um, him and one of the guitar players were the only kind of continual members they'd been around mm. for 20 years but the the rest of the lineup it had evolved and shifted many times along with their sound and so um that will be the end of this band but yeah ter terrible news indeed I, it's okay to mention this because they mentioned this in the article and the band has mentioned themselves but uh, no cause of death was provided though the band did leave number four national suicide prevention lifeline at the end of their message mm -hmm. and i guess it's might be slightly different compared to what happened to taylor hawkins but also like we've lost two great musicians over the past few weeks which is really sad and with with both of them feels that way too early so sucks big time and yeah from something like this to something maybe I'd say less important, but for some people this could actually be important. Seymour Duncan has three new pickups for your shred needs, says Gigards, or riff needs, or whatever needs is that you have. Thanks, that's very informative indeed. <laughs> the first of all, first there's a 78 model, which is loaded with unequal two magnet. And I guess it goes for PF style sound, though. Or does 78 refer to some some sort of Van Halenish tone to you? That's what I was wondering, and I was uh, already instantly thinking Vlad needs mm, to grab a couple of these to stick them in his project guitar. Mm, that is very Call true. Call Seymour Duncan. Tell them what you got. Get them to send you yes. a pair. Hey, Mister Seymour. Can I please have two 78 model pickups? Put on yes, my if you read the little text there, the, the magnet yeah. and output combination lend themselves to a warm crunch with biting leads and overtone-laden tapped runs. So yeah, this is obviously an EVH-influenced yes. pickup set. Yeah. Well, that, that whatever needs it is that you have, as the article <laughs> states, Seymour <laughs> Duncan yes. has something for you. Yeah. Be. Uh, then there's the green magic which offers a classic neck and bridge tones as expected but with clarity and expressiveness generally associated with singing calls when activated together what? yep and yeah finally oh, okay. so there's the out of phase mm. oh there you go and finally there's high voltage high voltage humbuckers are not to the old school with the the familiar Alnicles and Magnets, but they are one a bit more aggressive voicing that creates a noticeable sonic sonic distance. Okay. The bridge pickup is degaussed in the... What's the sonic distance? Sonic distance, indeed. Uh, yeah. Delivers a balanced tone. Cool. Is that an ACDC set? High voltage? Can My guess, be? based on the name. Cool. Sure sounds like that. Yeah. 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 Uh, I think written articles on pickups are one of the most useless things ever. 
just reference the band <laughs> like yeah this is the Van Halen song and move on anything else like I don't know something is a bit I more mean, aggressive but warmer but rounder and also makes you coffee type of yeah description. with a notable sonic distance <laughs> whatever that means that's just a few like words about sound that they put this together now. <laughs> please let me distance yeah. myself from this article yeah I mean I mean this look cool yeah from, from the text absolute classics so why not and fairly the, priced yeah. as well yeah this is one of the biggest problems that guitar magazines have had since the internet has come out. You could, yes. you know, you could send these pickups to the most respected magazine in the world, you know, Premier Guitar or Guitarist or Guitar World or whatever, mm. and they could do a two-page article about them and write every adjective in the world about how they sound and describe them amazingly. And yeah. yet you could go onto YouTube, which has issues of its own, of course, especially when it sure. comes to the compressions of sound. But you could go onto YouTube and listen to all three of them in thirty seconds, and yes. hear more than you can read in four pages. That's the that's the issue for written articles about stuff like this. It's such a shame yeah, you, because I'm a huge fan of the written word and a yeah a trained journalist. I trained in the wrong industry, but yeah, not necessarily. Just maybe it's just that some things require audio and. Compared to video, you get YouTube content, I guess. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, I 100% I agree. It just tells you so much more when you can hear the pickup. And for example, you could do a demo where you put all three pickups at the same height into the same guitar, and then you can compare and decide which one you want. Yep. Uh, now, frantic about this. And let's rant about Mary's Audio, who still hasn't released anything about the upcoming pedal. We talked about that last week or a couple of weeks ago already. I am not sure anymore. They just have two weird-looking teaser posts. Make well, hey, for new memories. They're, they're making week, us talk memory. about it, or we've chosen to talk true. about it. Yeah. So it's working, but it's annoying. I was saying we're the ones to blame. It's our own um, fault. Yeah, mark your calendar, Canada. So on 17th, we should find out more. May 17th. Oh, so by the time of next week's show, we'll be able to tell yes. people what this pedal is. Let's take an educated guess, Vlad. I have watched mm. the video, which is appearing on the screen now, without sound. And to me, it sounds like a synth-like arpeggiator pedal. That's what I'm going to guess. Sure did. Other people have guessed it's going to be a, a combination reverb delay pedal, but um, mm. I don't know. We'll find out. But yeah, teaser campaigns, it's kind of a thing that in the age of Twitter and Snapchat and TikTok, I think people no longer have the patience to deal with them. I mean, no, I think I this Maris think one can... has been going on yeah, for less I than two think... weeks and people are just saying, release the pedal already. Release the pedal. I'm going to follow them on Instagram, by the way. Just click the follow button. Like, <laughs> See, they, me more. They've got it. They've succeeded because you've signed up. Yeah. You'll sign up for their newsletter next and they've got you then. The next thing is you'll, be, you you'll be buying it. Go. I'm going to see if they're yeah. at NAMM, by the way. And go and ask them why they did a teaser campaign. <laughs> why? <laughs> just like, approach them angrily. Just right away. Like, oh, Maris is not there. 
every company uh, that I've searched during this show and I've searched about four has not been there. That is I mean, of course, the news. people will be there. They've just chosen not to pay money to exhibit. The movers and shakers, the key gentlemen, the key women, the key people from each company will be at the show. They just won't be spending the dollars to it, be on a booth. Yeah, but that, I gotta say, that sucks. But mm. what doesn't suck are the comments and questions and things like that we've gotten since last week. So we're going to dive into those next. There's some spicy ones. I like that. Questions and comments. <clears throat> I try not to suffocate in some dust I just managed to get into the air. <laughs> Instead, focus on answering your beautiful, beautiful questions in the comments. And last week, we talked about the Harley Benton something fusion black guitar range they released. Uh, we got some spicy ones on these guitars. Uh, some people really enjoyed them. But then, we got the spicy ones as well. Neil Aspinall says, Anything that disrupts the Chapman brand is okay by by me. And by the way, we thought these two guitars looked awfully lot like Chapman guitars. Uh, yeah, basically Neil says, anything that disrupts the Chapman brand is okay by me. The face that has been little too cocky for the longest time. Mm. This is what internet was created for. I love it. Yeah, I I can see people having this opinion. And I, I was going to say, yeah. Yeah. I I believe Neil is voicing the opinion that probably quite a few people have. Yeah. And we've talked about this before. Rob Chapman was my hero at some point in the early YouTube days, so 10 plus years ago. Um, he was the hero. He was the guy everyone just loved to follow because he was kind of one of us, but he was doing cool things or on guitar and just, you know, sharing his life and... I guess at some point things went off the cliff just a little bit. <laughs> and it's not that I actively hate the guy, but also just don't pay attention to what he's doing anymore. But I completely can, can understand people having this opinion. Yeah, I mean, yeah, a, a lot of people think that. I mean, I also, I don't know if I can still say I'm a fan of what Rob Chapman does because... I don't really watch that much of it anymore. It doesn't get recommended to me or anything like that. So I don't see a lot of the mm. videos. But it was interesting how kind of quiet the release of the new Chapman 2022 range was in comparison to, let's say, the solar stuff that we've just talked about. Mm. Let's say the, these new Harley Benton things. That they've fallen behind in that sense. Yeah, they're kind of falling over the radar just a bit. And not even just a bit, quite a lot, actually. They had one of the bigger... I think they had like one of the biggest guitar booths at NAMM some years ago. Like they had their own separate space. They had a massive booth and they yeah. did a massive publicity campaign with the Made in England range. Was it British Standard oh, or something like that that they called something it? Something like, like that, yes. Yeah, four Made in England guitars and it was going to be a huge thing. And yeah, with hindsight, I don't think they ever had any kind of real desire to build those guitars it was just a massive publicity stunt and it worked because it was a huge story at the time yes i don't think anything like that would work again but you never know <laughs> I, I despite everything you know despite all that's happened i'm still interested to kind of check in and see what's happening with rob chapman and with the chapman brand and to see what he's mm -hmm. going to do next because you just never know 
Let me just do my no. quick NAM search to see if Chapman is going to be there. My guess is going to be uh, no. Uh, please do. Please do. Uh, by the way, we're Making not done sadder with every the time I look. Holly Benton roasted once. Say again. Sorry? Say uh, that again. Gonna, we are not done with the Holly Benton roasted EMG guitars, by the way. People had opinions. I love that. Yes. No Chapman. There you go. But so, will Rob Chapman but, be at the NAMM show? That's the question. That is oh, a no victory amps question. either. They were on the list before they must have cancelled oh. or pulled out. So that's really interesting. Interesting. That is. I mean, will Rob Chapman be at NAMM? Will Lee Anderton and the Anderton's crew be at NAMM? You can bet your ass they will be. I'm sure they will be yeah. there. You, you yeah. think they would. To take you just a tiny bit off topic before we talk about these new Harley Bentons, I believe that Harley Benton should start having stands at consumer and business shows like this. Mm. Why are they not right. doing it? Uh, honestly, not sure. <laughs> May I, yeah, maybe it's just... That's a topic for another, to have for a another show, for I guess. That, but Yeah. Well, they have. Maybe it would mean that well, they would have to have like a face for that brand as well, and it's kind would they? of not necessarily. Does but it, maybe? Does every brand have a face? That's actually a really interesting point, though, because lots of modern, smaller, up-and-coming brands they do have a face. You know, yeah. I work for Blue Guitar, which has Thomas Blue. Okay, that's not a young face in that way, but that's a that that's a face. It's all based say, around it's, him. It's a great, great, great face to have. As the yeah, exactly. company. Well, uh, what a beautiful man indeed, inside and out. I'll take the 20 Plays euros, Thomas, well if you're well. watching this anytime. Um, Chapman, <laughs> it was based around the personality cult of Rob Chapman. Solar Guitars, that's Ola England. Yep. It's really interesting. But, um, you know, a lot of the, the older video. companies, I mean, people like Leo Fender are idolized now, but were those companies built around a single selling point, a face, an artist, a celebrity. I don't think they were. Yep, that's the thing. But uh, yeah, anyway, uh, so for, for me, Harley Benton should start putting booths out at places. I actually understand why they don't do it at NAMM because they don't have distribution there properly and it's mm. still difficult for people in North America to get their stuff, but they should be at Guitar Summit in Germany. Maybe one day they will be. Maybe, maybe the rest of the industry wouldn't welcome them. I don't know, but yeah. Really hard to tell. I could see some arguing happening in the stand because Harley Benton do have some instruments that look very much like the instruments of some other companies. <laughs> Indeed. Just like the brand new Fusion EMG range. There you go. There you go. Exactly. And speaking of the Fusion range, next com comment comes from Chris Nussen. For whatever reason, I added some Swedish to it to the pronunciation um, he thinks the new Harabendons are most definitely Shavel ripoffs also a slight call out to the Jim Root signatures although not as direct inspired because they're not volume but only and he has had three Fusion 3 style S style guitars again a clear Shavel DK24 ripoff he thinks and will still looks when I honestly the neck profile is nowhere near as nice as play as real Chavel. The roasted maple on a Chavel has smoother, softer feel, probably because of the lacquer it's finished in. 
I'm not sure you had lucky on the roasted maple neck, by the way. Don't quote me on that. I'm not 100% sure. The HP just felt cheap. These new ones have picked my curiosity, though, purely for the EMG and fixed bridge. Mm. Well, that's the thing. If the guitar is $800 compared to $400, you're going to lose something in the quality control. That's just... You have to save somewhere. Yeah. And you can, you know, we've talked about it a lot with these Harley Benton guitars. The specifications are second to none for the price. I mean, those specifications, you know, the stainless steel frets, the roasted maple, they're technically, on paper, better specs than many guitars that you see which are more expensive, you know? That is true. And basically nothing on the same price or cheaper is on a par with these guitars. But yeah, Harley Benton has to save money somewhere and they save through having the direct sales model. You know, there is no distribution. It's straight through Toman. But they will also be saving in things like QC and stuff like that. They got to yeah. save the money somewhere. That's the thing. Like, you, there are some steps uh, in guitar building where you, that you just can't skip, but then there are steps that you can do various quality on, I guess, would be a way to describe it. You can spend a lot of yeah. time filing the threads, or you can spend a minimum amount of time doing a, very, a decent job on the frets and that makes all the difference. Yes. And that's one thing here goes. is also like Chris is saying it's a Charbel rip. We were saying that we thought these guitars were very similar to Chapman's. So mm. are the Chapman's a Charvel rip? That's were the Charvel's a Chapman question. rip? What, what came first? Chris also mentions yeah. the Jim Root SIGs and yeah, they, they are also similar. Yep. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, I guess Fender came first, Chavel came after that, and everything else followed many years later. So that that's the order of things. That <laughs> that's the order of ripping things from other manufacturers, I guess. Yeah, and it's really interesting what Chris says. I've not tried one of the um, one of the related Chavel guitars, so I can't comment on it, but. It's interesting that he found the Charvels to feel a lot better in terms of quality. I mean, mm. you would hope that that's what the outcome would be, but yeah, exactly. yeah, that's an interesting point. And again, also interesting for him to say that despite all of that, he's still sort of interested in these because they're so well thought, thought. They're so well thought through. <laughs> They've got the EMG pickups and the fixed bridge, which I also think is super cool. Yep. That's the thing. Um, yep. And... We've mentioned this in a bunch of our Harley Benton reviews, for example. Sometimes you might get really lucky and your Harley Benton is just amazing, amazingly finished. My ALS, for example, was that. I really didn't have any flaws on it. Like, even the fret ends were really well rounded up and just played beautifully. Uh, then, for example, the Fusion T I have in, over there in the closet... It has some things here and there that I don't enjoy as much. Nothing that can be fixed or nothing that a good luthier couldn't just adjust and you'd be good to go, but yeah. These are the pros and cons when buying a more affordable instrument and even more <laughs> on this topic, because why not? Paz, I do not know how to pronounce your channel name but anyway Chapman question mark more like it looks 
a lot like Jim Root from Slipknot, which is cool in my opinion. And by the way, I have the Hollywood Infusion Pro 2 original Floyd version. And it's a super guitar, not only for the price, tuning, stable tuning as well, stainless steel frets, just amazing. And I can't go back to non-stainless steel frets now. One of the best investments I've made. Yep. Here you go. Mm -hmm. You can get lucky with yours and it could be a keeper. So nice. I'm actually kind of happy for you. And it's like, I think this is super fun to hear. There's a guitar and then some people see it. Oh, wait, it's a Chapman. It's a Chavel. It's a Fender. There could be some other brand we're missing as well. Yeah. But yeah, cool comment. Just about the frets thing, Vlad. Yes. You have experience with stainless steel frets too. I've played sure guitars do. with stainless steel frets. Like, to me, I I don't feel any difference. I mean, I know that I have <laughs> nickel fret guitars or whatever, and that I can see that those wear down. So I can see yes. that there's the advantage of stainless steel in that way. They're, they'll be with you forever. They won't, you know, they won't wear down. They won't need crowning or replacing at any point. Other than that, do you notice a playing difference? Because it might just be the way I play, but for me, th there's nothing in it. Hmm. I guess the only thing is that they... Well, some people say they sound a bit different, and I have to agree, maybe there's... It sounds a bit more kind of top-end with those. That could be a thing. I, I feel they sound a bit I'm different. I'm going to say, let's, let's hear what Jim Lil has to say about the difference in fret sounds. Has he done a video on that yet? I, I've lost touch with Not his channel in the past sure. few weeks. I haven't so seen him releasing anything as of late. Maybe he's back to touring. He, he, yeah, he actually earning money. he's closing in on a million <laughs> views with his Tomewoods video. Nice. Very, uh, very successful. Yeah, yeah but uh, I don't know. To me, the biggest thing about stainless steel frets is the fact that they don't wear out like when you find a guitar that just suits you the kind of yeah. the same play playability will stick with you for a long long time so that's really nice yeah and yeah I think that's yeah, a just, definite advantage I just wondered about the you know the playing feel aspect maybe a bit smoother I'd say though my experience okay. is again with a fairly premium guitar with the Ibanez AZ uh, the Japanese made one so yeah, I mean the the Aeolus has stainless steel frets, right? Mm. True, yeah. and it was actually a um, smooth playing guitar. So with that one, you know, if someone had given me two spec sheets and two identical guitars and said this one has nickel frets and this one has stainless steel frets, but it was actually the same guitar, I mean, I'm I'm sure I wouldn't have been able to feel a difference. Hmm. Or if the spec well, sheet had just said these are not stainless steel frets. I would have believed it. You know, there's nothing where I can play them and say, oh yeah, these are stainless steel. You make me want to do a test. I'm not sure how that test could be achieved. Like, basically it would have to be the same guitar. You'd have to, yeah. Next, you'd have to have exactly the same guitar identical to make it scientific. Oh, yeah, where swap. Not sure you can do that. Would be hard to do. You'd have to commission yeah. maybe two identical necks. That is very, very true, so... Yeah. Oh, well. I don't know. Just a thought. Apologies for derailing the questions and comments section. It's. Uh, I mean, that was a question in a questions and comments section. So I think. I guess it was. If you if you're watching or listening still, 
What are your thoughts on the difference between stainless steel and standard guitar frets? Yes, that's a great question. I'd love to hear what you guys think about that. Yep. And from Harley Benton's too. The Harley Benton (laughs) DIY kit. (laughs) We didn't go that far for whatever reason. Like for a second, my brain thought we're we're going to a different direction, but not really. Uh, Steve Vestel comments on my video where I do the crazy EVH style painting on my Halibandon CST kit project answers. Awesome. Whenever I purchase two of these PRS kits, I'm going to do one in 5150 in red, white, and bl- with the red uh, and black and white stripes as I did. And then he's going to do the second one with purple, yellow, and black stripes as well. I was actually thinking about purple, yellow, and black stripes as well, but I decided to go with the, I guess, even more classic look of black, red, and white. Though technically, my red is supposed to be neon pink, but it d- does look very red to me. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very yeah. cool. You're an influencer, Vlad. You're influencing they, Steve to go out and do this. It sure seems like it. So we're going to go with that. And I love the next one. And this is on a video that's been out for quite a while. And I've done a video called Seven Reasons to Own Multiple Guitars. <laughs> and I love this comment because the comment Lone Star 0380 says, I'm sure it costs a lot owning multiple guitars for each guitar's biannual setup plus getting them restrung every few months. Um, I guess if you put it that way, Yes, costs a lot, but when you own several guitars, you're not playing all of them that much. If you like, if you play each of your guitars an hour a day, then you probably need to restrung them every few months and do biannual setups. Uh, maybe I don't know. Do you see that as a cost? Owning multiple guitars is a question. Well, I mean. <laughs> You know, the more guitars you have, (laughs) the more guitars you need to buy strings for and the more setups you need. But it's like, I guess it depends how much you have them. And it is true that if you have two guitars, you probably play them for half as much as you would play one guitar if you just had one. And if you have, you know, six guitars, they probably get less play per guitar than if you just had the one. So it evens itself out a little bit there. I mean, it also comes down to the fact that some people live in climates and areas of the world where they have to have their guitars set up a lot more frequently, you know, where temperatures That's go true. up and down a lot more and stuff like that. I think, well, actually in Finland, it gets really cold, doesn't it? But it's also cold it in does. summer, right? But I mean, where I live in the middle of Europe, it's like, it's never that bad. And I have a home which stays relatively constant in terms of humidity and temperature. And that means that the guitars generally don't need to be set up as much. Yeah, we actually go through quite, like over the past year, if we take today's May 13th, if we think about the last year or so, we've gone from everything from like plus 32 to 35 degrees Celsius to minus 35 degrees Celsius over the past year or so. Yeah, that's a massive swing. Yeah, actually, I mean, yeah, in southern Germany, I mean, it goes up to 30 odd these days with the good old global warming you get it up to 35 or whatever (laughs) even a bit higher sometimes and it will go down to minus 10 or whatever in winter occasionally Mm. so that is a big swing as well but 
I mean, it if is. you're not storing your guitars in your garden shed, you you should be okay in that context because your house should yeah. normally be at a, a fairly consistent temperature. Humidity is okay. a slightly different factor. Uh, we're back. Just got a call about my car. It's they finished the repairs and I can pick it up later today. So great. Let's do the last comment and it says, "Come on, everything is falling apart today." Steve Dog ninety two on the amp of the future. Houston Kitten Black Spirit two hundred head demo review on Catpick Studios YouTube channel and. We're, we're just going to make Rich uncomfortable talking about the music editor, but yeah, basically he asks, how well does it take pedals? And then goes into explaining the different kind of pedals he has and things like that. And he he's using a Jim Root Terra amp by Orange, by the way, and finds that some of the pedals don't work with those and asking whether this would be a good option. And before I'll let Rich answer, I'll, I'll let Rich to prepare his answer. Uh, why, are you said, why are you asking this question as if I'm going to have a problem with it? I'm cool with it. <laughs> I'm uh, easy. Maybe just because I can. I don't know. Uh, continue. Yes. Uh, but yeah, basically, I've had the amp as well. I worked with Hughes and Kettner and I was happy with work with them because that amp was good with pedals. It's a good amp. Just in general, affordable, practical, all of those things. Played some cool live gigs with it as well and loved how it worked there. And I think it worked really well with the pedals. And to segue from this to Rich, you are still using that as your pedal platform on your channel with great results, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's along with the pure tone the Hughes and Kettner amp that takes the pedals the best. Uh, some of the other Hughes and Kettner amps, like the Tubemeister and the Grandmeister, your mileage may vary when it comes to putting pedals into them. They react very differently, but I think the Black Spirit 200 is a great pedal platform, and I love the clean channel on that amp. And, you know, I, I worked there for six and a half years. I haven't worked there for two years, but I still haven't purchased another amp to replace my Black Spirit 200 because... It's just really good. It's it's super practical yeah. for everything I do, you know. It has the built-in red box, which I can plug straight into my uh, DAW through my audio interface. So it's practical in that sense. You can play it silently with headphones. So I think it's really good. It's super flexible too. I have no complaints about it whatsoever. Um, I'm looking around no, for another amp to replace it with at some point. But mm. it's hard to find something that ticks as many boxes for me in terms of practicalities. There are definitely mm. better sounding amps out there, but in terms of all the the options that I have, the ways I can use it, the ways I need to use it, there's not much out there that can beat it. Yeah, and this thing, the only amp that replaced the Husinger amp for me was the Rev D20, which I'd say is probably the ultimate home studio pedal platform amp. But yeah. what you get with the Houston kit, you get four channels and a lot of the sounds can come from that already. And then you can spice it up with all the pedals you want. And practicality-wise, they're fairly the same, I think. Yeah. Except the Houston kit is just way louder if you're playing with a band sometimes. That's, that might be needed. Um, but yeah, 
thumbs up from me. It's a good app. It's super practical. It it looks cool in photos and videos as well with all the blue lights and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah, and and just particularly talking about the boost that Steve Dog mentions there, and mm. the boost on the Black Spirit Two Hundred for me, I think is is really good. It's um, it's what Hughes and Kettner call an intelligent boost. So it's not always the same. It looks at your settings, what you've currently got dialed in, and it basically takes you up a notch from whatever you've got. So if you're on the clean oh, channel, cool. kind of at the edge of breakup, it takes you into breakup. If you're on like purely clean, it'll give you a clean boost, like a DB <clears throat> boost more. If you're on the lead channel or whatever, it'll give you a, a creamier lead tone. So it's it's an intelligent boost, and it's pretty cool. Nice. I, I really like it. I mean, yeah, I've I think... tried the Orange Jim Root Terror, by the way, as well, and that's... That's a pretty cool amp, but it's hmm. it's very much kind of in a specific sort of genre for me. It does what yeah. it does really well, but it's not... Yeah, for me, it's not a pedal platform for doing what Steve wants to do with it. The other amp, yeah, that, which I would consider trying, but have not yet, is a Rev, a D20 or a G20. So hmm. those are on my list to check out as soon as I get the chance. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that, that's the thing. Uh, I love, love, love Orange Amps, but as pedal platforms, they're just not uh, as, you know, they're not a clean pedal platform, let's put it that way. They work yeah. really well with some pedals. Some pedals sound amazing when you put them through an orange, but then there are cases where I've had some trouble with the preamps on the Orange Amps when trying to run different kind of pedals into them. So if you want to have a pedal platform, the Black Spirit 200, for example, is a great option for that. And we also recommend checking out the D20. And all of this, by the way, might be something that I did reply to this person personally. And now we can share this information with you lovely people as well. And that concludes questions and comments from the, for this week. Thank you. These are great. A lot of great topics. I just hit my monitor that's here on the side as well. And if you want to have your question answered or you want to send us a story about your favorite guitar or anything like that, you can do that by either commenting on this video or any other Catpick Fridays video or email us at podcast at catpickstudios.com. So be sure to do that. And before we wrap up for this week, something we think you should watch this week and also known as Weekend Watch. Watch it! Watch it! Watch it! Watch it! Watch it! Watch it! Video! It's not like you have anything else to do. Because you don't have anything else to do, you should watch a video where, well, you know more about it, but basically, in a nutshell, Joe Bonamassa buys another old Les Paul. That's, that's the premise for this video, right? Yeah, that's the story in a nutshell. <laughs> the location is the UK. Somebody happened to find an old Gibson Les Paul in their wardrobe, which had been stored there for years and years. It turned out to be a 1961. The daughter of the owner, who purchased it originally in the 60s for £50, the daughter took it to a local dealer because she thought it might be worth about £5,000. The dealer then went on to tell them that it would probably fetch six figures if done up. And that happened recently. However, a certain Mr. Joe Bonamassa happened to be on tour in the UK at the time that this story started to kind of break. He got the guys with the guitar to hit him up at one of his local gigs and that guitar now belongs to Joe Bonamassa. So that's the story very, very briefly and basically. 
have a watch of this video to find out in a bit more detail about what the guitar is. They're calling it the Dirty Burst because it was a very dirty guitar in pretty poor shape, really needs a bit of TLC. And the funniest mm. thing about it for me is the fact that the burst has almost disappeared. Vlad, if you click oh. into the video a bit, maybe we can see a screenshot of the guitar itself. The, the reddish part of the burst oh, has basically almost true. faded away completely. Yeah. Weird. So it's Never a plain top. It's, it's, yeah, it's interesting, huh? But yeah. I mean, if you, you didn't know, you, you wouldn't know. Which is, is a stupid thing to say, well. just out of context. But you know what I mean, right? Yeah. So yeah, this is um, yeah, cool, really interesting though. story. I mean, I'm really happy that the dealer, which I think is the chap that we're looking at on the screen right mm. now, was honest with the people who oh, were going to yeah. sell the guitar. He, he didn't just yeah. say, oh, that's a dud. It's worth 200 pounds. I'll give it to you cash now. And then he goes to sell it for 100 grand or whatever. That is not what's happened. So that's great. So the family yeah. have done a good deal. The, the dealers have done a good deal. And Joe Bonamassa has the next, you know, boutique burst in his collection, which I have yeah. mixed feelings about. I mean, on the yes, one hand, he's the best person to own those guitars because he actually plays them. He's a huge that's fan himself. True. They're not disappearing into a bank vault somewhere. They will probably get used on tour. He's an aficionado, mm. a great player. And, you know, he deserves to be able to buy what he wants. On the other hand, give somebody else a chance. <laughs> Don't you think? It's like, how many 59s, 58s, 60 Les Pauls does he have? It's a That's lot. Very, yeah. it, it, and, you know, of, of course, he... Yeah, he's of course in the 1% of people who can afford them. And like I said, he's probably the best guy to have them anyway because he mm. will use them, he will play them and do them justice. But there must be others out there who do have the money thinking, oh great, this guitar comes along and before I'd even heard about it, it's gone down to see Joe Bonamassa and yeah, he snapped it up and th th that's my chance gone to own one of these pieces of history. I reckon that Joe Bonamassa by now has like a sort of gravitational pull to these guitars. When they're unearthed, they kind of naturally, or maybe it's a magnetic force. They they're drawn to him. Yeah, but he, he must have so many. And all of a sudden, the guitar just appears out of nowhere. Yeah, it's weird, right? I, I reckon he he flew into the UK and started playing gigs, and these people had forgotten about that guitar. And suddenly, the, the wardrobe, mm. the doors started rattling, and they thought maybe it was haunted. And they <laughs> opened it up, and there was this glow of this old case. And they opened it up, and the guitar was just itching to get into the hands of Joe Bonamassa. That's a <laughs> yeah. funny one. Huh? Yeah, sounds like a cool animation for someone to do. Like, he should start. Yeah. Like, I mean, he should really need to do some sort of like a gig intro where he goes to a country and like all of the Les Paul cases in the basement start rattling. <laughs> like, like one of them <laughs> flies into his lap on the stage and he starts rocking with that. Um, Joe, if you're listening, and I know you are, hit us up. We can script this video for you. So yeah, and go. come on and do a bit of a chat with us about this guitar because that'd be quite that, interesting. Uh, we would that, really love that to too. to talk about all that stuff. Yeah, but yeah, cool. This sounds really cool. I, I'll have to watch this properly. Yeah, with sound. really interesting. I'll, I'll story probably get and, more out of this video with sound. <laughs> Just guess. I, I think you will probably appreciate the finer details more if you get to hear yeah, it. Yeah, one could say that. But yeah, yeah. It looks really cool. Really cool and predictions. I, I I'll be remembering predictions from now on because I got one right. So. <laughs> <laughs> good, 
Go on then. You're, you're on a roll. Make your next oh, one. Oh, come on. Come on, come on. There will be another metal kind of themed guitar release by Harley Benton next week. Guitar <laughs> amp. That, yeah. yeah. That would not surprise me. I mean, they're, they're on a roll, right? <laughs> I'm lowering uh, the bar just to get to, I know, like keep this up. Uh, yeah, if I'm support, if I'm at some some point like predicting somebody's going to re release music related, yeah, that doesn't count anymore. But this is, <laughs> I'd like to think this is still specific enough that it kind of makes sense. Maybe, yeah, maybe we need, we'll accept we need to come it. up with a, yeah, we'll need to come up with some sort of like point system, like something really weird and unlikely, and then. You get extra points, but if you say somebody's going to release a Les Paul-shaped guitar, uh, you'll get a one point. I like that. And the viewers can play along as well. Yes. And then we can all add up our points every week. Yeah, let's get that sorted. So for me, what's next week? Next Friday is going to be the 20th of May. The week after that is NAM week. And we've seen this week already that there's not been much released it feels like everything now is going to kind of come in the, the NAM run-up and take mm, advantage of be. that extended publicity. The one thing that I've... Well, I've been saying two things over and over again the past few weeks or months. The first one was that Dan Electra would release something. And I kind of got that a bit right because Harley Benton did the MR65s, which they have now sent to me. <gasps> Proof. So I've Kaboom. got the standard nice. six-string here in the blue. And something even more exciting. They've sent me the baritone. And this is nice. the modern baritone. The one with the ebony board and the stainless steel frets. So videos of them coming up at some point. That is very cool. It is indeed. And um, yeah, you know, I mean, these guitars must have come out a month ago or something. By the time it took for them to send them to me, they've released <laughs> the new EMG fusion guitars already. So every few weeks there is something by Harley Benton. But I'm so still thinking there's going to be a Dan Electro release. And my other thing that I've been saying quite often is that I feel like there will be some kind of major amp release coming up. Mm. And I, I'm not talking about the Blue Guitar Amp X, which we're finally launching at now. I'm talking about <laughs> something from one of the big boys, you know? Yeah. So Something that makes us all say, oh, wow, this is a new, this is a new thing. I have no prior inside or industry knowledge about that. This is just a guess. Same with Dan Electro. I have no industry knowledge there either. Yep. Yeah, we shall see next week. But for now, it's time to wrap up. Yeah, it's definitely time to wrap up Catholic Fridays, as you can tell. Uh, <laughs> time to edit that Harley Benton DIY video that shall be unleashed upon the world soon. And as always, Give us a like, subscribe to both of our channels, and have a great weekend. We shall see you next week, as we do here on Capic Fridays. Bye, podcast. Bye, podcast. <laughs>